Oh, look! Rocks! And welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. And by process of elimination, that makes me Colin. And tonight we're going to talk about Destiny of the Daleks. Dun dun dun. And what is destined for the Daleks here? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, quite a lot of explosions, apparently. <laughs> and, and a stalemate in space with another race of logic. Yes, we've got two competing races. You've got the Movellans, who are robots themselves, and the Daleks, who Davros, for some reason, refers to them as robots. The which... Doctor does, too. Uh, they're cyberkinetic. Part machine, part something else. I, I mean, maybe he, he views them as... More machine. I think often when you hear about, like, oh, even when you try and call humans machines, you're going to that world, you're really talking about, oh, you're cold, you're logical, you're not emotional. Yeah, that might but... might be a way to steal man Davros. But, but, but yeah, it sounds weird. I, I mean, I mean Dav- Davros's whole thing is that he created the Daleks because he concluded that they were the final evolution of his species and the best way for them to survive would be to adapt and evolve in this way so he's all about like the organic part of the daleks that's like really important plus the daleks i mean they they are very logical but they are not purely logical i mean they run on hate they definitely run on hate and that's one of the big problems with this story is that you've got this race that has a love of hate almost and and so it begs a question why are why would they be so logical i mean if they were that logical they'd exterminate everybody on site and not actually have anybody do anything right i mean like honestly that's kind of how i felt about it. like most of the daleks that i know of the primal age of, of as soon as that testing would be done you know talking to romana and questioning her and, you know, Romana gives all the truthful answers, she would have been exterminated like that. I mean, if anything, I'm like, oh, the, humans do have worth. They have uses. Like, it's it like, what, what, what Dalek is this? This is like, <laughs> this is not the scary Dalek that, you know, one of them is taking down the whole planet as a threat. Well, to be fair, Daleks don't exactly have hands and arms, so utilizing the human shape to do all their dirty work and all the slave labor does make some logical sense. Well, and they did point out, like, to... You know, it doesn't fit in with the logical sense of it, but for a Dalek sense, like they pointed out, hey, you know, they could use robots to do it, and it would probably, you know, be more efficient. But they're cruel, and they like to, you know, subjugate. Yeah, for people. for Daleks, the act of keeping them alive, even in a slave state, you know, seems to go against their hateful ways and the, all of their eugenics that's tied up in their lore. Yeah, the extermination of it all. I would say that the the Daleks are definitely not robots. They are creatures. They are they yes. they run on emotion, but 
maybe it's because they have a one-tracked mind and they can only have that hatred basically as their main emotion. Yeah, and, and it does be, render them a little bit useless in other logical areas. To be fair, and like Diver's calling them, you know, robots too, this is like uh, when he it seems to first discover that there might be an imbalance that he imbued in his dialogues, an imperfection that they might be too much straight towards the logical side or too much that one route that you described because they do seem to be at an, at an impasse with this other, um, you know, machinistic, logical kind of thing as well. So it could have really been, you know, a slight, just like we might call somebody else a robot because they're acting cold or they're not... You know, taking into account other people's emotions or anything like that. But yeah, it does seem off base. I mean, clearly they're not robots. The, the other thing I'd like to point out is the actual robots in this. I mean, arguably they acted like robots, but like not very good ones because it's not logical to ignore feedback. That doesn't make any sense. Like, so why would he go through the same set of rock, paper, scissors, like this, like same order of them every time? That just is not a logical way to proceed. Well, it, it could be uh, completely logical. I mean, it just depends on the premises that you're coming from. I mean, just because you're adhering to strict, great, even like sound and valid logic all around doesn't mean you have the necessary data puts, inputs or the you know, uh, the background or the number of premises that you need to have a more complex logical mental model of the world. I don't know. War machines that, you know, can express emotion in an almost human, you know, way, I feel like they should be advanced enough to be able to figure out that the objective of rock, paper, scissors is to, you know... Should be, you know. Should be, but it's still a science fiction rather than a science fact. When you also have two robots going at it together, so it makes sense, and that they probably have the same basic programming. So they're. I'm talking about when the doctor was playing against him. Oh yeah, so they would always lose. Yeah, that didn't make much sense to me either. Yeah. I could understand the robots at an impasse with each other. But then the doctor always winning made See, sense. I, I think that was like, you know, some sort of a supernatural doctor thing and that the doctor is always supposed to be a little bit smarter in a way that humans can't quite understand. It's well, the whole no, no, timey no, no, but, 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 but the Mavellian went scissors, rock, paper, scissors, rock, paper. He was going in a pattern, but also the doctor does have the he does have mental telepathy too. So and, there and could have been a little bit of that. And scissors, rock, paper was how he and the other Movellans started. So it's like I'm saying, yeah. starting at the same point every time is not. Yeah, and they I might mean, not be starting at the same point, even if they're reading their enemy, and their enemy is doing like the same parameters of what would be most logical, most best. They would still be mirroring each other. That's you know, true. So there wouldn't be some off-base form of another variable, um, you know, even if it was random chance, you know, that, that randomness by what we humans know still today is still algorithms can't truly make random numbers. One of the things that this story is made fun of is the fact that uh, the Dalek voices, <laughs> and especially Davros's voice, is not very well um, done. Now... I, I will say Roy Skeleton, who did the the lead Dalek voice, the, basically the one that was ordering all the Daleks to do everything, I think he does the best job of most yeah, Daleks. Yeah, Roy does sound like a skeleton. <laughs> 
He he really well that one moment where we where he tells the doctor do not move really loudly and it it's one of those things that gets your attention like crazy. It was like the only intimidating Dalek moment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, these Daleks didn't seem very intimidating. Hats were able to be thrown on top of them to to confuse the heck out of them. Yeah, but but let's let's really get down to the heart of heart of the matter. The real, you know, issue with this whole story is the fact that, you know, there was this window that just led directly to the outside and they could peer in on where Davros was. And it's just like, why didn't the doll like how could the Daleks possibly not figure that out and be able to dig the, at least right next to a window? We don't know how much terrain they had to cover. And just like, you know, if we were to go over to my sister-in-law's house, I'd be going down to their basement, but somehow their basement just has doors that can open up to the outside. Well, this is the third. This is the third level. There are slants and different things. I mean, it could be on a massive hill or a cliff. There's weird terrains. We saw a lot of rock and cavernous stuff. Yeah, it's just like the most benefit of the doubt I can. Okay, but like if you're gonna put that much, I mean, if you're gonna put that much effort into digging into somewhere, you'd at least like do a basic surveillance of the area. I mean, Daleks are like screaming the whole episode about search, locate. You know, you'd think they'd do some searching. Well, (laughs) Well, if they searched with their heart a little bit more than their minds, maybe they would have found (laughs) that. But that I, I think that was the message of this story. To be fair, though, they may have searched that room because the doctor actually pushed Davros all the way to that room from where Davros was located originally. Gotcha. But still, it seemed like you know there was just this very yeah. And honestly, I opening. mean, if Dalek sensors can be foiled by a hat, the sheer amount of cobwebs <laughs> that was on that were on Davros at the time might have been enough to fool their sensors. That, that's a good point. Yeah, I think there's a lot going against the Daleks in this story, and even Davros. Now, I will say that Davros, I mean, the actor that played Davros in this story wasn't terrible, but David Gooderson doesn't quite get the same Michael Wisher appearance like Genesis of the Daleks or like Terry Malloy does in Resurrection and Revelation of the Daleks. Because I think Davros, first of all, you need to have the voice modulator, and there was no modulator on his voice. I mean, for not having... For not having one, like I was surprised that there wasn't one at all. Yeah, no, I think that, he did a pretty good job there. He did do it. He did do a decent job, um, but also I, I don't know. There was just a lot of dialogue between Davros and Daleks and Daleks and Daleks in this to the point where you're gonna get tired of listening to that grating, kind of monotone like voice anyway. And it's not. Go- it doesn't really. Davros when uh, Michael Wisher and. Uh, Terry Malloy play them have a lot more range in their voice and they really kind of bring out that evilness that he has but I think in this case Gooderson just kind of portrayed him more like an actual Dalek and it did kind of take away from the performance it's like everything in this episode was you know weird in as far as how robotic it was yeah exactly Except yeah. maybe the humans. Oh, well, one more thing about the robots, and this is the yeah, novellas. There were some humans in here. Well, uh, back humanist to, type creatures. I do have to say, the fact that the Movellans wear their battery pack slash brain, and that you can just take it off and they fall over dead, pretty much, that's 
kind of a weak thing. Maybe? Yeah, that didn't yeah make a whole lot of sense. Um, it, is, but it is very familiar to me if you ever grew up with you know action figures of the 90s. That's where the battery packs would live. True. Right in the backs. <laughs> yeah, but it just seems a little bit ludicrous that a f- much more futuristic yes. race of robots would be able to be stopped by some human just literally pulling yeah, the battery course, off. In 2023, when you're looking back decades and decades in time, you know, any computer screen looks funny how, you know, it's going to be designed to take up a wall and you're still going to have a random string of letters and numbers that you just randomly scroll for people to view that's really, like, passing by at, like, you know, a few seconds per frame. <laughs> you know, it's not even, like, a download bar of 100%. Like, there's a lot of things you can always nitpick down to the to the lighting of the episode. I think Shelby pointed out first, but there's a lot of what clearly is just modern-day stage lights. Just, we, just throw them out here. And, yeah. I mean, I they could be on alien ships. I mean... I don't know about convergent evolution of technology. I'm sure it makes sense for lights to kind of look like that, but they were clearly just stage lights of the time. I actually thought it was a massive, like, mistake at first when Romana drops into that room and that light's there, and I'm like, did they just care so little in the 70s that they would just leave this in the shot? But then Probably. More, but, then we, but then we saw more of them, so... The other lighting issue, or the other issue that I had with this story, was that the Movellan, because we watched the original, not the special edition version with extra special effects... The Movellan weaponry actually doesn't do anything. It just you just hear it. You don't. They just point it. You hear it, but there's nothing that indicates that it actually fires anything. So, and I don't know that any of the weapons actually did any damage to the Daleks in the first place. So, it makes me wonder how effective are these Movellans against the Daleks anyway? <laughs> um, yeah, they can come back to life, and they probably can then like challenge the Daleks casings or something. But I don't know. I just. So much weakness. But back to the humans. You, you mean the slaves? The slaves, yeah. Well, we had some slaves helping Romana and kind of explaining things. I thought that was kind of a decent scene. It was all shot on film, and it looked like they were like working hard and all dusty and dirty and mangy. Yeah, and... It's pretty dark, you know, but uh, still, like, uh... yeah, it was, it was a bleak scene, for sure. And we only really had one true human that kind of, I think, stood out, and that was Tissen, who actually tried, was the one that scares Romano yeah, in the first a place. Human. A lot of aliens look like humans. He has, he's, yeah. I think he was the same height as Tom Baker, so he was a pretty imposing kind of guy. So I can understand why anybody would be like, oh my god, what is he going to do to me? Um, but he turns out to be like a gentle giant, so... <laughs> That's a plus. Yeah. He didn't... I, I don't know, he... I, I think he was probably the most helpful of the humans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, he kept going around with the doctor, and he, he went down to look for Davros. And, and he, he organized the taking out the Movellans thing. Mm-hmm. He knew things. He was on the inside. I think I think Jal and Veldan, which were the two um, lesser characters that were helping Ramona in the mines and then were later helping Tissan organized people they just disappeared from the story they they're they their actors literally were not even seen either dying or or like helping tissan make sure davros was secure that was a little bit odd so that well, was- seemed like an opportunity lost but I, I think we had enough focus on enough characters for the length of story that we had you know without them being in the spotlight too but yeah just it, a plot it does seem like 
you know, if you're going to have that many extras about too, like they might have, you know, more prominent part in the scene moving in or. Well, they were they weren't they were more than extras. Was, was my point. They were they actual were. characters yeah. that had they spoken. Had lines. Yeah, they had more than line, more than just one or two lines too. So I think Colin's saying they could have replaced extras in the other scenes. True, they could have. Yeah. And, and then that would be an easy fix. But I also think that it makes sense in the characters they established of these being people who had learned, you know, very hard lesson about not, you know, getting into trouble and joining these revolutionary type movements. So it kind of made sense that they didn't join up with Tissom. Yeah, and I think it, you know, fits fits the theme. You know, these these people were here sidelined by the Daleks in a horrible situation, just like they might be sidelined in a story. You know, <laughs> you know that they should be important, just like any human should be. But still, well, that's the plight. Some of the humans were also killed off, and I would have to say the woman that's killed off by a Dalek in the in the underground where Davros is has to be one of the worst death scenes in Doctor Who's history because she literally looks at where she's going to fall and then casually puts herself down on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and she also just steps forward, and I, I was kind of just expecting her to, like, say something in a triumphant manner, maybe, like, you know, <laughs> she an I'm Spartacus moment, you know, yeah. inspire everybody else to stand up and do something or not do something, but no, it was just, like... Most awkward death scene given to yeah, Destiny of the Dalek. I don't Dalek. think she even got a vocalized exterminate. I mean, they were very rare, you know, uh, this, this episode, too, in comparison to my knowledge of the Daleks. All right, I'd like to talk about two good things about this story. Okay. All right, first of all, we've got, you know, Davros is starting his, you know, grudge match against the Supreme Dalek yes. as soon as he discovers its existence. That, um, was, a, that was a pretty funny line, too. It, well, it was, and also it, you know, introduced, like, we know that in the future of this, there's, you know, a whole civil war that goes on with the Daleks over this. Um, the other thing was, you know, Romana coming in. Um, we see the first, it, like, time where we see that, you know, time ladies seem to have a lot more control over the regenerations than time lords. But It was also, a bit ludicrous, it, but yes. it, it was pretty ludicrous. But we do see, you know, well, when know. River transforms, she seems to have a lot more control over it, yep. too, and, and everything. But... Um, also, you know, we see her come out and the doctor's like, no, no, no. And then she dresses like him and he's like, yes, finally. And then he makes her change, but then she just turns into like a slightly like better version of the doctor's outfit. Oh, her outfit. Well, here's, here's one of the cool parts is that Lala Ward actually got to choose all of her outfits and she worked very closely with the, uh, the costume designer. Um, I think her name was Pat Godfrey. Uh, but she she was a very well established uh, costume designer for movies and and everything else too, but um, yeah, Lala Ward's wardrobe, especially for this story, I, I love the whole pink doctorish look with the scarf and the the white scarf and the and the coat. And I think the boots. that was yeah, the boots were well, yeah, that too, because Tom Baker definitely had those those kind of boots. So I like I I thought that was good. I, I also thought that um, some of the scenes were directed pretty well. I think especially if they were the outdoor scenes, um, there were definitely some cool shots. Uh, there's also some spookiness with the the ambiance down in when in the yeah, first the level. Effects? Yeah, and also some of the the ways that they shot the Daleks so that it looked like they were a little more menacing. 
Um, yeah, some of the views, like looking looking up, kind of close. If they're going yeah. through the corridors. And, well, they're also being silent. They actually killed some of the Movellans in silence, which is unusual yeah, for a really- Dalek. But it actually makes it a lot spookier, and because they're sneaking yeah. up on them, More and menacing, then, random. Yeah, it's a lot more menacing, in my opinion, than have someone shout at you. Oh, I'm going to exterminate you! Yeah, this is where <laughs> you saw the spookiness of the robotics too. Is as one Dalek turns the corner and you think you're in the clear, the other Dalek comes around the other corner and you're caught. That was well. That was well shot. Yes, the, uh, the high mind effect. The humor in this, too. I think uh, Douglas Adams obviously had his hand on the scripts. Yeah, he wanted to give us a jelly baby. Here. <laughs> he gave us more than just a jelly baby. Um, the doctor reading from the origins of the universe and telling telling the author out loud, oh, you got it wrong in the first line. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I think... I think the there definitely were some good moments in this story, and it's it's without saying we we need I think we needed some of those good moments to counterbalance some of the the weaker ones. I mean, the thing is, the concept of having two you know logical you know robot races in a total stalemate is a pretty brilliant and interesting concept, and if they just hadn't made the Daleks be one of the quote-unquote robots. could be, more or less. You know, you have the right dimension if you defined it, but it wasn't even really a focus. It was kind of mentioned like, hey, isn't this interesting, Doctor? Let's play rock, paper, scissors and and look at this. I mean, it it wasn't that more involved. No, no, that was the whole point, is that they were in a stalemate because of this concept. Yeah, I know. But also... I felt like they could have... It wasn't spotlighted. And that's why they had to get Davros and why the Mavellans were looking for, like, wanted the Doctor because they realized that they needed something that wasn't purely logical to, you know, end the stalemate. If you look at, the, if you look at Dalek by Robert Sherman, you find out that Daleks can learn by just absorbing the Internet or by absorbing information from wherever they go. It seems, it seems to me that these Daleks had no real backbone. They had no real way of learning much of anything. And they were just, they were basically the baby Daleks. And yeah, well, I mean, the only moment to the, you know, slight contrary was when they hesitated, when Davros sent them off to, you know, kamikaze themselves. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think the, the one race that would fit better in in this particular moment would be the Cybermen because the Cybermen yeah. would be far more logical because uh, they don't have emotions. They yeah. have their I mean, emotions they, they suppressed. They have plenty of the biological component, but yeah, they're much more the classic robot that yeah. you think of. Um, you obviously don't need to go get Davros as a for that, but the Daleks just seem a little bit out of place in their in the in their own destiny, and their destiny isn't all that great to begin with. No, and, and it's not even that confined, you know? When you, when you see Destiny of the Daleks, you, you expect, you know, a grand kind of conclusion of one sort or the other. But, you know, Davros will be, be back. He will see the Doctor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and also, like, Davros wasn't... Like, his rants weren't as interesting as they normally are. Like, he normally has, like, interesting intellectual debates with the Doctor. That's kind of, you know... What's well, cool when, about him and like to and, bring the right scientific focus at one point and yeah and, yeah and but, frankly, but, 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 but know, it was weaker than usual is all I'm saying yeah he was he was weaker than usual 
He did get that one good line, though. But, yeah. you know, nonetheless, I thought he was encompassed some of the most interesting parts of the story. Yeah, And true. the Daleks were weaker, but I don't think, you know, that necessarily made it, like, the worst or such an uninteresting story either. It was different. I think, you know, I, I'm fighting against my own biases here right now, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm missing out opportunities where I knew the Daleks could be and how menacing they are and where Davros could be. But I think it was still, you know, having the Daleks, having Davros really added a lot to the equation here. And I don't think they were bad scenes and bad interactions. I think they still had points that made me think. Could they have been better? Yes. Do they surpass other, you know, episodes of this era? I'm thinking yes, from what I've seen. So how would you rate this? Oh, so I've, I've pretty much already gotten in there, and, and I'm yeah. in there, so... Um, I don't think this is a bad episode. I truly don't. I think it's an episode that misses opportunities, which is always, you know, by definition, going to get a lot of docked points for me. Um, but it, it had a nice concept here and there. I think, you know, it, it is one that makes you think and uh, gets a little philosophical here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I wish it might have been more of a spotlight focus. Um, I really like Romana as a character. I love her as a companion from what I've seen so far, and I was really delighted by the opening scene. I thought it was fun for putting K-9 back together, you yeah. know, right through the scene of her just changing into a seemingly different species and from, you know, four foot nothing to 11 foot something and back and in between, um, back to, you know, this, this princess from another world that they're not going to come back to, but of course will be acceptable in the right doctor's garb. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this had a, a pretty decent cadence all in all. I think it was probably, uh, just like in a lot of classic Who, there's probably some filler that you can grip out of it and make a more cohesive, um, you know, nice, swift story for the modern age. Um, but I don't think there was any egregious red flags here. I think there are things that we can poke fun at. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, if you poke enough holes and you have the right kind of stick, you can do this to just about enough Doctor Who episodes out there, but I enjoyed this story. Um, this isn't gonna get a, you know a knock out of the park for me, but I mean I, I think it at least landed on third at some point. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's gonna get a seven out of ten. All right, yeah. Um, I felt that there were some pretty big flaws with this episode actually, but I did like a lot of parts with it. I mean I I thought the Movellan costumes were done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Daleks were not done as well. <laughs> and they looked a little ratty. Yeah, so, so did the Davros mask. Well, that, I think, was the original Davros mask. Well, that's probably why it looked so on ratty. A di- on a different episode, too. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, there were definitely enjoyable parts. I always loved Tom Baker. Loved Douglas Adams. I love Romana. I thought that it was a great intro for, her. you know, the Daleks and Davros, you know, always do, like you said, add some, you know, intrigue and make it more interesting. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I felt that this kind of fell flat. It was, you know, like there was like a long, unnecessary amount of time of like 30 seconds where the doctor's trying to get Romana out of this tube. And it's like, wow, that really didn't need to be that long. And then the next episode, they back up and redo the entire thing of that. Like, it was like, uh. <laughs> but, you know, there's always filler in the classic ones. Um, I am going to, just because this was, you know, it was still enjoyable despite its flaws, I will give this a 6 out of 10. Huh. Well, this is the first 
story of season 17, which is, I think, when Tom Baker was starting to dwindle in 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 his interest in the show to a degree. I'm not saying that he wasn't interested in still doing The Doctor. He loved doing The Doctor and, and the roles that... They love the paychecks, too. Well, yeah, but no, he really loves... He, I mean, he's on record for really enjoying the fact that he was adored by children. Because um, at this point, yeah, the kids really... He was so well-established, kids would just immediately recognize him, even if he wasn't even in costume. They'd just go up to him and say, Doctor. Um, but I think... A lot of people in Doctor Who land actually do agree probably stayed a little bit too long in the role because it started getting a little bit older and a little bit more like, okay, kind of recycling some of the same jokes, some of the same ideas. Um, In this case, Terry Nation was the writer here, and he was the one that originated a lot of the Dalek stories, the Daleks, the Dalek Invasion of Earth. All the first Doctor stories were Terry Nation stories. All the John Pertwee stories were Terry Nation stories. Um, This is... This is Terry Nation's final story as um, Dalek writer. And I don't think he did quite as good with the Daleks as um, he could have. And I think part of the problem was is that he kind of changed the Daleks in this sense. He did set up a really cool concept, though, where the Daleks need Davros because he is their leader. He's someone that they could go to for a more logical solution. And it sets up kind of the Dalek infighting, Dalek wars for later. And I, I think that's a, a very interesting concept that's that's actually bre- branched out on um, later on with resurrection, but more so with uh, revelation and remembrance of the Daleks. And with that said, um, I do I do like aspects of this story. I think some of it is very fun. I mean, you've got Tom Baker and Lala Ward, so that automatically excels the story uh, to 5 out of 10 for me. Um, but I'm going to also give this a 6 out of 10. I, I think it had enough shortcomings that it's not quite to 7. But, Fair. Uh, but, uh, each is them. Are, are you saying that you're not going to rate... Are you saying I'm wrong? Are you going to say you're not going to rate any... Tom Baker, Lala Ward story lower than a five? Oh, no, no, no. No, I just think that because of their presence, this particular story... Oh, no, there will be other stories that come up where I will rate it probably lower. Um, and that will be coming up very soon. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the foreshadowing. <laughs> Talk to you guys then. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.